You're so good to us, God. I thank you for your compassion, your love, your grace, and your mercy, giving us what we don't deserve, which is heaven, and not giving us what we do deserve, which is hell. God, you have given us all the riches of knowing our Savior, our Maker, the one who loves us. God, thank you so much. I pray as your word is open today that our hearts, that our hearts are lifted as we see what you have for us today. I thank you so much for how you speak to us clearly. I pray that we listen, that we simply listen to what you would have us do today. God, what you're calling us to do, what you've been calling us to do, and that we walk in those good works which you have prepared for us. God, thank you so much. We love you and pray all these things in Christ's name. Amen. Well, it's good to be with you this morning, and uh, if you're a guest, you're looking at the front of your program, I'm not Pastor Justin Green. (laughs) My name is Pete, I'm on staff here, and it's my privilege to be able to deliver the message this morning. Pastor Justin is a little under the weather. I know some of you have been dealing with the uh, cold and stuff that's been going around, and unfortunately, it got our got our senior pastor yesterday. So he lost his voice and asked me to step in for him this morning, and I'm, I'm very thankful to do so. Uh, this morning, we're going to be starting a, a two-week mini-series just prior to the Easter season to talk about our church, and it's called Where Are You Headed? And the purpose of this time is it's kind of family time for the next couple of weeks. And I, if you're a guest with us this morning, or maybe you've only been attending Salem Heights for a few weeks, you're kind of checking us out. Uh, this, is, this is a great time, actually, to be in our church and, and to kind of hear our heart of where we see our church going, what the pastors and the elders through prayer and, and, and asking the Lord for direction, where they feel we are headed. And what we are then going to call you, who are called Salem Heights Church Home, where we're going to call you to get involved. Uh, This past week, I had the opportunity actually to uh, get away with my family for spring break, and we went down to Southern California to visit some family. And on Wednesday, I had the opportunity to travel into Simi Valley, California, and and visit the, the Reagan Presidential Library. I don't know if you've ever been there before. It's a massive place, so big that I mean, hours and hours can be consumed reading all the details of, of his life and his uh, presidency and those types of things. But in there, I uh, reminded many times of the different speeches that he gave because that was one of the things that Reagan is known for, being a great communicator, being one who could rally people together for a certain cause. And so he gave many State of the Union addresses, something that Uh, The Constitution calls for the president to do that from time to time he should give a report to the Congress informing them of what is the State of the Union and then to make recommendations for their consideration of things that he believes needs to be done. And and so this morning is is the start of of kind of a state of the church, Salem Heights Church specifically. Where are we at? Where are we headed? And so for those of you who call Salem Heights Church home, I believe this will be an encouraging time. I believe this will be uh, maybe some answers provided through the next couple of weeks of some of the questions that maybe have been swirling around your head as you've been attending and observing and been noticing things. And so this is family time, but I believe, again, it's a great value to our guest. Uh, the introduction to our notes says this, For two weeks we'll be asking the question, where are you headed? The first recipient of this question will be church leadership with the intention of addressing why We do what we do and what we feel called to do next. 
The second recipient of this question will be those who call Salem Heights Church home with the intention of stirring one another to love and good deeds and helping everyone participate in a body life in a concrete way. We're going to read this morning. Our text is going to be found in the Colossians chapter 1. So if you have your Bibles, would you please open them to Colossians chapter 1. We're going to start in verse 24, but our, our main verse that we're going to kind of unpack this morning is going to be verse 28. It's a verse that we have been uh, using as kind of our, uh, our bearings. It's a verse that has kind of given us our trajectory, what we believe our calling is. And we're going to be unpacking that this morning as a reminder for us and then answering a few specific questions. But the reason we come together on a Sunday morning is not to share with you our ideas. It's not for me to kind of share what I think God wants you to hear, but is to let God speak for himself, because that's what has the power to change our lives. That has the power to give us direction that we can trust. And so we're going to let God's word speak to us for himself, and then we're going to endeavor to try to understand what he has for us this morning. So in honor of God's word, would you please stand with me? As we read our text for this morning, Colossians chapter 1, starting in verse 24 through verse 29. This is the word of the Lord. Paul speaking here says, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake, and in my flesh I do my share on behalf of his body, which is the church, in filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions. Of this church I was made a minister, according to the stewardship from God bestowed on me for your benefit, so that I might carry out the preaching of the word of God, that is, the mystery which had been hidden from the past ages and generations, but has now been manifested to his saints, to whom God will to make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. We proclaim him admonishing every man and teaching every man with all wisdom so that we may present every man complete in Christ. For this purpose also I labor, striving according to his power, which mightily works within me. Do you believe there's something in there for us this morning? There is. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much for this time. We do pray for Pastor Justin that you would touch his body, Lord, allow him to bounce back from this cold. And we, we ask you now that we would have ears to hear and a heart that's soft to receive your word as it's spoken to us, and that we'd be able to hear and share the direction that we feel that you are calling us to as a church. We pray this in your son's name. Amen. You may be seated. One of the things that we want to do this morning is to kind of highlight the next season in our church, And, and it really starts here in a few weeks with Easter, but if you were to look at our church calendar, we try to plan our church calendar out at least one year, hopefully about 16 months in advance. We are heading into a season where there's going to be major kind of activities and events in the life of our church for several months, and this is intentional. In a few weeks, we saw in the Salem Heights Today video, we have Jordan Kayla Grizzard going to be here for Easter. Uh, This is a, a couple of very talented musicians who are going to come and, and lead us in worship this morning. Uh, that morning for Easter, as Pastor Justin leads us in those four services. And, and why do we bring in special guest musicians? It's not because we don't have talented musicians. We are blessed every week by our worship team, aren't we? Amen. Right, yeah. It's not to give them a break. It's not to try to make up for or fill in a gap. But it's because we want to bless you with other people who are gifted in and talented, 
And, and music is one of those ways that they can come in and be able to, to help us worship and to be able to uh, draw our attention uh, to what God's Word has said and help us respond in a special way. It's, it's a good thing to invite these special guests in, and, and, and they are eager to come and worship with you. The feedback that we get as your pastors is one of that they are ministered, they are encouraged to be part of, to, to share a moment and experience worship with you because of the genuineness of your faith and the way that you worship the Lord, and it's about Him. That's what we want to be about each morning, is about Christ. Amen? Amen. But then we're going to head into a, a series of a, a number of guest speakers, and uh, there's an insert that we mentioned in the Salem Heights today in your, in your bulletin. If you want to take that and pin it up, we want you to make sure that you save these dates. We know that it's going to be heading into the summertime, and there's going to be vacations, but you're going to not want to miss these powerful speakers as they come in. Uh, we are excited that uh, Dr. Erwin Lutzer is going to be in Oregon, and we were able to have him come a few days earlier to a trip that he already has. He's speaking in a conference later that week, and he's going to come and visit and preach God's Word. If you don't know Pastor Lutzer, you can go online. He's the author of many books. He was the pastor of Moody Church in Chicago for over 30 years. And uh, a gifted uh, preacher, an author, a man of God, we're excited to have him here. I know many of you have read some of his books and have been encouraged by his ministry of preaching, and he's going to be here. And then in May, we are, are going to be uh, in our missions focus for 2019. May is the time in the year where we take a few dedicated weeks and talk about our missions vision, why we do missions. We are super excited this year to have some special guest speakers participate in our missions focus. Uh, the first is Edgar's Dexnis is his name. He is the head of Josiah Venture in Latvia, where we have teams going back this summer. He and his wife, Anate, and their two girls are going to be with us in country. They're going to be preaching that morning and sharing a little bit more about what's going on in Latvia. We want to hear why we're even participating with this ministry. He's going to be uh, here to preach. It's going to be great. Uh, he is Latvian. He speaks pretty good English, but he's a little nervous to preach a whole English sermon. But he is a great preacher. I've heard him myself having led those trips to Latvia, and I know he says, I'm already going to preach this sermon twice before I come in Latvian. I challenged him to preach it in English before he came over there to a Latvian audience just to get it under his belt, but he said he wasn't sure about that. So, and then the next week, we're going to have Rich Van Pelt, who is who is the, uh, uh, the leader of kind of relationships with churches for Compassion International. And many of you are supporting Compassion Children, and I know many of you are going to be participating in our trip this summer to Guatemala, where we're going to be visiting Compassion Centers. But he's going to be here to speak to us, and the focus for our missions month is this. Is it worth it? That's the question we're going to seek to answer. Is it worth it to do missions? Does God still use missionary efforts? Does he need you to go? And what does he promise you if you will say yes? Those are the questions we're going to be seeking to answer here in May. We're super excited. And then we head into our summer series. This year, focusing on the little letter of Second Peter and some, and some important verses that talk about what a maturing believer should look like. We're excited to have several guest speakers come and participate in this. Dr. Timothy Lane, the, the founder and president of the Institute for Pastoral Care. He's an author of many books, uh, has, has written, co-authored books with uh, uh, Paul Tripp, uh, he is, has a counseling practice of his own in Atlanta, Georgia. He's going to be out here to speak. Uh, Dr. Jeremy Lelick, who's the president of the Association of Biblical Counselors. Many of you know we have a growing biblical counseling ministry here. 
Uh, we are a training site for biblical counseling with ABC. And Dr. Lelick, the president of that organization, wants to come. He's asked for the opportunity to come and participate in what he is seeing out here in the Northwest. A place that, again, if you look on the map during election time, we are that blue side of the country, right? And yet God is, is uh, not allowing our differences to stop what he wants to do in the lives of people. And so even though we're not in the Bible Belt, God is continuing to grow his church here. He's continuing to reach into lives and to save people. He's continuing to show that he is not mute, but that he has given us his word. And those who gaze upon his glory through the pages of his word can be transformed. Amen? And so he wants to come and participate. We're excited to have him. Dr. David Allen, the dean of the School of Preaching at Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary in Fort Worth, Texas, will be back. We're always glad to have Dr. Allen and his southern twang. And then Dr. Sammy Tippett is going to be back, the founder and president of Sammy Tippett Ministries. Uh, for over 50 years, Sammy and his wife have been counseling and teaching and evangelizing all over the world. Why do we do this? It's, again, not because we don't have men who can preach the word here, men who don't want to. We, we want to preach the word. We love preaching the word. Amen. But we want to be able to bring in other men, gifted, called, experienced preachers of God's word, counselors with experience to come and impart to you wisdom and knowledge, praying in advance what God would have them impart to you from his word so that you can be encouraged that you can be fed, that you can be challenged in a unique way. We want to give you the very best. We want to be able to provide for you opportunities to grow. And so that's why we have these men come in to be able to participate. And so we're very excited about these times. And so this is kind of where we're heading over the next year. We're going to have some really great opportunities for you to be challenged in the Word of God. And so those dates have been provided for you, and we hope that you will make a point to participate, to be here on those weekends uh, if you can. But where are we headed? Where are you headed? What is God desiring for Salem Heights Church? If you've ever entered into the entrance over here, we call it the, the Northwest Entrance. It's over by our cafe. If you ever walk towards the gymnasium, head your, back to the children's ministry area, you might have noticed up on the wall that we actually have Colossians 1.28 up on the wall. It, it's kind of been our banner call for many, many years what we feel called to do. And so this morning, we want to unpack verse 28. We read from verse 24 through 29, and we saw where Paul here is kind of talking about his calling. He's been called by God to, to minister to the church, to suffer for the church, to carry out the preaching of God's word, to make known the mystery that was hidden in the past but has now been communicated it says in Hebrews that in the past that God had communicated through prophets, and now he has communicated through his son. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. And so Paul now has been commissioned, called by God to preach that word, to make known that mystery. Those things that were talked about, that God had a plan of redemption, that he was going to send a, uh, his son, the Messiah was going to come, was going to provide a way for us to have salvation from our sins. And the question, the mystery is, oh, what is that going to happen? What's that going to look like? And now that mystery has, has come to life. Christ came. He fulfilled the prophecies. He lived that perfect life. He gave his life sacrificially for you and I on the cross. He laid 
dead in a grave for three days and then was resurrected back to life victoriously, proving that he was both fully God and fully man and capable of offering you forgiveness from your sins and a path back to an intimate relationship with the God who created you and who loves you. He's been called to carry out that message. And, and those of us who are called to be pastors and elders here at Salem Heights Church have been called to a similar calling, to lead a local collection of individual members of the family of God. And each of you is in a different part of your spiritual journey. You are at a different point on the discipleship continuum. You have grown. Uh, maybe this morning you are uh, inquisitive. Maybe you have not began a relationship with Christ. Maybe you have come this morning and you've only been saved for just a short time. Maybe you're here this morning and you have been saved longer than you have been unsaved. We're all at a different point. But our calling is to lead this local body. So what are the basics? Your notes say the basics. Why we do what we do. What are we called to do as your leaders here at Salem Heights Church? Well, the first one is this. We are called to strengthen those who are no longer babies. We are called to strengthen those who are no longer babies. Three times in verse 28, we see the term every man. Every man. It says, we proclaim him admonishing every man, teaching every man, so that we may present every man complete in Christ. I believe this is significant because it's, it's acknowledging and, and, and not diminishing, but kind of pulling out the fact that every single person within the body of Christ who is growing in their relationship with the Lord, who's growing in their knowledge of the word, who is who is developing a deeper intimacy with their creator, with their heavenly father through Jesus Christ because of the power of the Holy Spirit that now lives inside of us. Uh, every man, there's something for us to, to nurture here in the church. And so what that means is that you don't have to be a, a certain a way. You don't have to act in a certain way. You don't have to have a certain level of biblical knowledge. You don't have to have a certain level of biblical maturity for us to love you and to accept you and to pour into you and to nurture you and to lead you as your leadership team. We believe that God has called the church to be diverse and that every man is important and significant. And so we're called to strengthen those who are no longer babies, those who have entered into relationship with God, who are now gr growing and maturing in Christ. Uh, the goal here, it says that very last line of verse 28, so that we may present every man complete in Christ. That word complete has the idea of perfection or full maturity, to come to full age. And so how do we do that? Well, it starts with this. We are committed to being centered on the proclamation of God's word every week. That is why we get together on a Sunday. We are not here to entertain. We are not here to, to meet all of your felt needs of what necessarily you want it to feel like in here. We have been called to proclaim the word of God. This drives our worship. Every song that we sing before the word of God is proclaimed is to prepare our hearts to receive God's word. And every song that we sing at the end of the service is to be in response to the truth of what we've heard. We speak because God has spoken, and he is not silent. And so as preachers, our preaching team, led by Pastor Justin, we are not about uh, talking about God is not why we preach. And it's not to speak on behalf of God. 
but it's for us to read what God has said about himself as he's had it written and recorded for us in his word through many authors who were guided by the Holy Spirit. Dr. Al Mohler, in his book, He Is Not Silent, a book on preaching, says this, Preaching is not the business of speculating about God's nature or his will or his ways, but bearing witness to what God has spoken concerning himself. That's how we help you become complete in Christ. We will proclaim God's word. We will preach from the Bible. We will start our service by reading what it says. And then the job of the preacher is to help bring understanding to the congregation of what God has said, but never in place of what God has said, or never what he wants God's word to mean. But what has God's word said? We believe that is what leads to transformation. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18 says this, in the ESV, it reads like this, Beholding the glory of the Lord, we are being transformed into the same image, one degree to another. It's this idea that if we will behold the glory of God, and His glory is contained for us in the Scriptures, one way that He's revealed His glory. He's also revealed His glory, meaning His power, the fact that He is above all things. He's revealed His glory in His creation. Having this last week been able to drive down from Salem all the way down to Southern California, Uh, It's amazing how green California is right now. They've been in a drought for several years. They've had a ton of rain. All the aqueducts are filled in central California. Shasta has water in it, and it's green. I mean, it's going to be an amazing year for fruit and for agriculture down there and all the industry down there. But you can walk, and you can drive, and you can see the majesty of, of God's creation. You can see his glory in creation. But he has also taken the time to reveal his glory in the scriptures. And what 2 Corinthians 3 says there, that we don't need to have somebody interpret God's glory for us, but that you, as a believer, can gaze upon the glory of God yourself by staring into the pages of the word. And it's by that and that alone that you are being transformed into the image of the Son, into that glory, like Christ, one degree at a time, You can't supersize this quickly. You can't fast track this. You can't fast pass it. It takes time. But if you will commit yourself to the study of God's word, to the reading of God's word, letting God tell you about himself, it says it will change your life. Do you believe that's true? We believe it's true. And that's why we will preach from the Bible. As long as our doors are open, we will proclaim God's word. Whether it's easy. It hasn't been easy to work through the last several weeks of Luke. It hasn't been easy. I don't know if you felt that or not. It's been not easy to preach those things, but we're not going to avoid it. Why? Because God said it's important. I'm putting it in my word, and I want my people to know it because it reveals my glory. But we also believe that we can help you become complete through small group ministry. And as this is another opportunity outside of the Sunday mornings to come around other believers, to circle around God's word, to read it and to understand it and to grow so that we can become mature, complete in Christ. That's what we are called to do as your leaders. But we're also called to do this. The second point, we are called to nurture those who are spiritual babies. Because again, every man includes those who've only been part of the body of Christ for maybe just a few days. And we don't make you stand outside until you get a certain level of knowledge and then we'll let you in. We are called to to teach, proclaim him is what it says there, right? We are here to proclaim him to every man. And so there are two primary ways that we do this. One of the ways that we 
bring along those who are new in Christ is through our Fundamentals of Faith class. And if you haven't taken Fundamentals of Faith, or maybe you took what we used to call running the bases 20 years ago, or maybe you took Fundamentals of Faith 10 years ago, I would encourage you to go through it again. It is important for us to be reminded what we stand on. It is an outline course. It's, it's definitely not a deep dive, but it is a great study of what we believe, the core doctrines we hold to, what we believe God's Word is teaching us. It's important for us to know that, to hear, and our pastors and our elders teach those classes so that you can hear from them. What are we standing on? What are we building our ministry on? What guides our decisions for what's next? We also do this through discipleship. And discipleship is a personal study of individual books of the Bible, men's and women's discipleship coming together to understand God's word deeper. This is important for all of us. So encouraged by the many people who have taken our, our courses multiple times. There's always something new in there. There's always something for us to glean. But discipleship is the process in which we can nurture and teach those spiritual babies, those who are new in the faith, or who need to grow deeper in their knowledge. Discipleship is, is where we allow, it's one of the ways we come alongside one another. We get to practice the one another's of Scripture is in discipleship. Because you know who teaches discipleship classes? Other disciples who are just a little bit further in their walk, have a little bit more knowledge. They don't teach because they haven't mastered or they're the experts, but they have seen it transform their lives. They believe it is the means by which God can transform your lives, and they want to come alongside you and help you understand it. So we're called not only to strengthen those who are no longer babies through Sunday mornings and small groups and the preaching of God's word, but to nurture those who are spiritual babies through classes like fundamentals of faith or discipleship. But we're also called to admonish those who act like babies. You know, we, uh, if you've been at our church for for. I don't know, 15, 20 years or longer, you've been a part of some services where we've actually practiced public church discipline. The point of church discipline is always restoring the person. It's after following the biblical mandate we see in Matthew of going to that person individually and confronting them for obvious sin in their life and then going back to them with two people and three people and through a process to where we as a church have to say, we can't continue to associate with this person and pretend like nothing is wrong because there is a glaring thing in sin that they've been confronted with and they choose not to deal with it. They do not want to stop. And we cannot act as if it's okay. The Bible says to treat them like a tax collector, which means you continue to present the gospel to them, but that is the extent of the relationship in the hopes that the broken fellowship that has now been resulted because of sin will cause that person to come to their senses, will repent and be restored into the family of God. It's been a long time since we've they've done that, but we wanted you to know that the elders and the pastors are continuing to practice church discipline. It doesn't always have to be publicly, but it does not mean that sin is not being confronted through men's discipleship, women's discipleship, through uh, counseling. These things are being dealt with we will bring it to your attention in the main services if it has to deal with someone who is a predator, a danger to you. But for other things, we want to work at that. We want to practice that biblical mandate of going to that person privately and trying to help that person along, pleading with them to come to their senses, to repent, and to be restored 
because of the danger of that sin to harden their heart and to break fellowship with their creator. The goal is always restoration. Paul says here in verse 28, admonishing every man. That means whether they are a new believer or they are a seasoned believer. The job of the elders and the pastors is to admonish. That means to warn about behavior that will be destructive, that is wrong. We continue to do that as your, as your leaders. The final thing we are called to do is we are called to take care of actual babies. We, uh, we live in a day where there are some churches who are not able to have children's ministry because they have a lack of volunteers. And, there's, and this is sad because without kids, there will be no future church. And we've said this many times that we believe that children's ministry is not a place for just babysitting while you attend church. We want to disciple those children to love God. Many of them have made professions of faith, so they are the church of today. And their discipleship and their growth is just as important as your own. Barna, in a study in 2001, said it's very clear from the research that if Jesus is not already part of a child's life before they leave junior high, the chances of them accepting him are very slim. It's 6% chance. Another survey in 2016 says that contrary to popular belief that it's the university where kids start to abandon their faith, and a study in 2016 says that 31% of students entering into their freshman year of college already identify themselves as their religious affiliation of none. This is up from 10% back in 1986. Some have led this to be called the rise of the nuns, indifference to religion of any kind. It is vital that we continue to reach the kids of our church, to develop them spiritually, to partner with their parents who've been given the responsibility to raise their children. But this is not the responsibility of just the pastors and the elders. It's our job to make sure that this is a priority of our ministry, but this is a shared responsibility amongst the body of Christ. We do not want a lack of volunteers to result in a limited offering of children's ministry because that leads to dying churches. So what's the key of all these things? What is the key that we want you to make sure that you understand? It's this, is that all of this is for Christ. Our focus should be on his kingdom, not our own. We are not interested in growing our name of Salem Heights Church. We're not interested in growing our ministry. We're not interested in numbers. We are interested in doing the work that God has called us to do. And so we are called to, to proclaim him, to admonish every man, to teach every man, to be the shepherds of this flock in the hopes that you will grow individually in your faith. And when you stand before the Lord, you will be mature, complete in Christ. Amen? That's what we're called to do. We see that biblically. We stand with Paul in this. And as he says here in verse 29, for this purpose we, or I also labor. We can, we can relate to that as you're as your leaders, we strive according to his power, which works mightily within us. We want to be spirit-driven. Every decision we make, everything we want to do, the steps we take, 
We want to be in the power of God because that's, where, that's the only power that actually exists. So we have a few questions, though, that we want to answer then. And, and they're in your notes, and we're going to walk through these quickly, and I'm happy to spend some time after service if you have any further questions. And I know Pastor Carl and Pastor Matt are here as well today. But here's the first question. You say that you want to take care of babies. What are you going to do to make our children's ministry easier to find, more kid-friendly, and safe? Um, safety is the key for us. It's our priority. We want our kids not only to be discipled, but it has to be taking place in a safe environment. And for many of you, you know that um, our environment, we have safety procedures in place. We have a check-in system. We have uh, policies that we train our staff and our D-team leaders and our volunteers to do. But if you've noticed, if you've ever taken kids back to our children's ministry area, it is a maze, to say the least. There's no clear lines of sight. There's sharp curves. You can't see into it unless you go all the way back into that. And so we want to improve that area. We've been talking about this for some time, but we are excited to share that we have scheduled the start of that remodeling project for the children's ministry area on July 15th, the day after VBS is over. We will, we will start that project, and this is what it's going to provide. It's going to have a new central entrance. When you walk in there, there's going to be a direct entrance into an obvious identified children's ministry area at Salem Heights Church. You're going to have a clean light of sight. I think this picture is funny. It's, like, it's not like Jesus is going to appear there. It's going to be a hole. <laughs> There's going to be a hole in the wall that we're actually going to make a hole. We're going to redo the whole ramp area. But we're going to have a clean line of sight all the way into our children's ministry area, a better way to be able to shut things down and close things off if there is ever an emergency. It's going to be better accessibility for our families to be able to get in and out and not be crowded and moving around. And it's also going to improve our ADA access for, for anyone who has disabilities, whether it's children or adults, in and around that area. We sent out a letter on Friday to our regular attenders, to our Salem hiders. Maybe you've received it. If not, you should get it on Monday. But what we are asking you to do <clears throat> is to help us fully fund this project. And we're actually going to lay out a challenge, and it's next Sunday, April 7th. We are asking those who call Salem Heights Church their home, whether they have kids in the ministry or not, to help us fund this. The cost is $90,000 to do this work. We have $30,000 already committed in the bank in hand. We need to raise $60,000. Now you say, well, we don't have to start till July. Why can't we go? We want to just say, we're going to get this done because the kids matter and their safety matters. And we need to be able to see them and allow them to get there and be able to take care of them. And so in the letter, you'll be, there's more information, but we're asking you this week to consider your own finances and how can you give above and beyond your regular giving to help us finish this project. And so next week, We'll have uh, a special envelope that you can be ready to contribute to, and we're putting that out to you. Whether or not we get the full funding or not, is God knows that. But we're laying out a challenge to our people. And, and again, there are many of you who maybe your kids are no longer in rock salt, but they've come through rock salt. This is a responsibility of our church that, to improve this area of our church for our kids for years and years to come. So that's one of the ways that we're going to respond to that question. We're starting we're committed to doing this, and we need your help to finish the goal. Question two. A short while ago, you had a five-year goal that focused on missions. What's the plan now? Many of you remember this. We had a goal of getting everybody, 70% of our people, going on a short-term mission. And we actually exceeded that goal. We have people continuing to go on short-term missions and being used by God of all ages and generations. 
So what's the plan now? Well, one of the things that you will probably remember is that missions was always meant to generate a greater passion inside of those who would go to come back home and do the same kind of work here. There's many things that God will do in us through missions in in the world. We can partner with ministries and help them to the things they've been called to. But the goal of those who participate in missions is that you would come back energized to be more evangelistic and more others focused here at home. And so our next focus is going to shift from missions to community. Now, this doesn't mean we're going to deviate away from missions. Our missions program is continuing to go strong. We are committed to missions. We're actually going to talk more about what our missions vision is for the future next week. But internally, we're going to shift our focus now to community. And there's three ways we're going to do this. The one way is we want to continue to maximize our space here. We are convinced as a leadership team that we are not called to build a bigger auditorium, a bigger church to fit more people in here. But we believe we can enhance this physical footprint that we already have to be able to make more room for people, to improve parking, to improve classroom spaces. And so we're already doing that. We've recently took an older modular that we've had for over 25 years that was two rooms, and we've made it and updated it to a three-room classroom unit and fresh paint and floors, and and we've made that better. And, And so that's what we're looking to do is to improve and enhance our current footprint. So that's one thing that we want to do. The second thing is we want to continue in our community to support other pastors. Uh, You may not know that Pastor Justin, Pastor Carl, and Pastor Matt are very involved with other pastors here in the Salem and Kaiser areas. In fact, there's probably close to 50 churches that are being impacted through those three men in some form of either biblical counseling, uh, starting new most excellent way in men's ministry opportunities at other churches, and Pastor Justin mentoring and meeting with pastors and praying with them and doing that work. We're very committed to that being part of our responsibility is to be there and to help other pastors who need help. Just as we have been helped in times of need by other men in ministry and other churches. And so we feel committed to not only improve our physical facilities so that we can make it possible for people to come and be ministered to and to be under the proclamation of God's word and have their kids minister to, but to continue to support other pastors. But the third way we want to focus on our community is we want to invest in other churches. We want to invest. Rather than build a bigger Salem Heights church, we'd rather take those talents and those treasures and that time and put it into churches who are like-minded in ministry, focus and belief, and be able to help them grow their ministries. There are many churches that are asking for help. And as we've said many times before, there, if every seat in every evangelical church in Salem was filled every Sunday, that would still only be enough seats for about 10% of the population of Salem. And I know we've heard this, well, there's so many churches, you just drive downtown, there's one on every corner, there's still a need for more. And we feel called, rather than building a bigger facade and a structure for ourselves to take that and to be investing in other churches, whether that's planting churches in the Salem-Kaiser area or helping other churches that are struggling with our people and with our, with our preaching and those types of things. That's how we want to focus. We want to see revival happen in our town. And, and we, are not, we don't believe that we are the only church preaching God's word. And so rather than building a structure that makes us look great, we want to take that and put it into God's churches that he's already called and already established. 
So we want to begin to start looking at what that, that means. Again, our focus on community will not diminish our vision for missions, but it's going to be in addition to our vision for missions, and we'll be looking at, again, missions next week. I'm going through these quickly. We've got two more. Question three. This one we almost didn't touch on today because Pastor Justin is sick. But Justin almost died. These, these were his notes, by the way. I didn't write this down. Justin almost died. It's a real thing. We've asked this question. What happens to all these plans if something tragic happens? Uh, Justin told me he'll talk more about this uh, later on, but he did give me a few things he wanted me to impart. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, uh, there's actually Paul highlights something that was happening in the Corinthian church that was the mark of a carnal church. And there was divisions rising up where people were starting to associate with specific leaders within that church. Some were saying, I'm of Peter. I'm of Apollos. I'm of Paul. When he highlights this, this is not a good thing. We do not want to be a church like that. It's okay to have an affinity for a certain personality or style of preaching. I'm thankful for our preaching team. I'm thankful to be part of, be, be personally ministered to and, and invested in by Pastor Justin and Pastor Carl and Pastor Matt. But we are not about growing a personal name, so-and-so's ministry, so-and-so is so great. We are focused on growing God's church, his name and his name alone. And so whoever's up here, whoever's called for that morning to preach, that's, their good job is not to, to build their own group of followers. It's to point Salem Heights Church that morning to the proclamation of God's word and let God's word change our lives. Back in the 1700s, there was a refugee community known as the Moravian Brethren. They were exiles, but they were credited for sending missionaries all over the world, leading to thousands of people coming to Christ. They kept sending missionaries out. This small refugee, I mean, these are people who didn't have much, but they were committed to praying and sending people out. They just continued to send people out all over the world, every different direction. And over that next hundred years, thousands of people were being saved through these missionary efforts. But when you asked, where did these people come from? Who is their leader? No one could tell you the names of the Moravian Brethren. They just knew it was a group of people who were in this part of the world who were committed to praying and giving of their finances to send the word of God out. They had an impact that lasted well over 100 years. We want to be a 100-year church and beyond. We want to be a church that makes a difference in Salem and Kaiser, not because of our great style or our great preaching or our great ministries, but because we proclaim God's word, it changes the lives of its people, and those people are called not to just be consumers, but to be those who go and to do the work of God. And then when God starts to transform lives by those efforts, and people go, where did these people come from? It's not, well, they're followers of Justin Green at Salem Heights Church. Or they're followers of Pastor Matt McCollin. No, it's going to be, I think there's somewhere in South Salem. You'll drive past it. You won't even know it's a church, I think. We are about God's name. We are about his work, not about our own. We, we are thankful that Pastor Justin is still in remission. We are thankful for the fact that God has touched his body, and he continues to be our senior pastor. But you need to know that in every area of our ministry here, every area of ministry, we are building teams. 
that are not built upon one person's personality or gifting so that if God ever calls that person on to another ministry or calling or something happens to that person, God's ministry will not cease to exist. Pastor Justin is leading this way. That's why he's built a preaching team. That's why he allows other men to preach because he's not about him getting to do that and him getting all the, acclim- uh, you know, all the praise and be the one who's known as the preacher. He wants our church to be a hundred-year church. So we're going to trust God with Justin's life. I know that's what he's doing, but we don't need to worry what will happen if something happens to Justin. God will protect his church. He will protect the family of God. And we're thankful for his protection and his healing already. All right, one more question. What are you asking us to do then? You're called, you're going to be doing this project, and the leaders are feeling called to to invest in the community, and we're feeling called to continue to build teams and to be a 100-year church. So what does that have to do with us? You know, for years we've said at Salem Heights Church that we don't want you to give a dime to our ministry until you've given your heart to the Lord. Uh, You notice we don't pass the plate here. Our offering boxes are painted the same color of the walls. Uh, We've never been a church that's been about money. But in Ephesians chapter 5, it says this. It says, therefore, speaking to believers, Paul writes, therefore, be careful how you walk, not as unwise men, but as wise, making the most of your time because the days are evil. Here, Paul is calling the church in Ephesus, the believers there, to look carefully at their own lives. That's what it means here, to be careful how you walk. It, it means to inspect your own heart. And that's what we're calling you to do this next week, is to inspect your lives. And we want you to answer a question for us, and that is this. What type of, of, of participator are you here at Salem Heights Church? As you examine your own life, there are, we believe there are probably one of three categories you could fall into. One is a consumer. A consumer says that I, I attend Salem Heights Church, but I don't participate in any of the ministries. I'm not serving. I just come and I let other people serve me, and I get fed, and that's where it stops. Perhaps you're an observer. Perhaps you've been attending for a while, and, and you're, you're maybe not as consistent as a consumer, but you're really kind of just observing. You haven't really said, this is where I'm going to, you know, establish roots, and I'm going to be, or possibly you are an invested member of the family. This, you are Salem Hyder. This is my church. We want you to examine your hearts and, and ask yourself that question this week. What, are, what kind of attender are you? And if you are an invested member of this family, this local church, we have a secondary challenge for you, and that is this. We want you, through prayer and the guiding of the Holy Spirit, to find some way to be invested in this church and in this community. If you're not already, if you say, this is my church home, uh, to be Salem Hyder means that you're not a consumer, you're a participator And so we want you to pray about that. Lord, this is where I believe you've called me to to be here and to attend and to participate and ask him where does he want you to invest your time, invest your talent, and your treasure. Not one of the three, all of them. What does he want you to give? We believe that God wants to do 
amazing things. We believe that there's some things on our horizon that God's going to let us be a part of that are super exciting. But he's not calling just one or two people to it. He's calling this church to be a beacon of light, to be those who proclaim God's word and to take it out to those who are far from Jesus, to build up disciples so that they can go out and continue that work for centuries until he returns. Amen? That's what we're asking for you to do. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this church. We thank you for your grace as you continue to be patient with us as, as we are a church made up of a bunch of saved sinners. And God, we continue to desire, we desire and continue to seek you and your way, your leading. I thank you for the pastors and the elders of our church. I pray that you would continue to protect them, protect them from themselves, protect them from to making decisions and the leading apart from your power and your direction but God, that they would make, continue to make godly decisions. And as they lead, I pray for the people of Salem Heights Church, that they would, would follow that leadership and that they would decide for themselves to be a participator, God. We thank you for your word that changes lives. And we just pray for our church, God, as we continue to head into the future into some exciting days ahead. God, would you give us what we need to do it all for you? We are about you and about your name. Help us never forget that. We pray this in your son's beautiful name. Amen. What a blessing.